Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Higher Learning is on as Rachel scrambles to get ready. <laughs> no respect. You guys ask me if I'm ready. I can't even get an answer out before you start the podcast. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lindsay. We have a great guest later on. Felicia Anua from the Trill NBA podcast. She's here to teach black women how to rise up in that corporate ladder. It's a good conversation. Yes. Uh, she's one of my gym friends. I met her at the gym. Do you have gym friends, Rachel? I'm not a part of a gym. Do you have workout buddies at all? Who you work out with? Who you work out? I just got a new trainer. His name's Cody. Shout out to Cody. Um, just started working out with him. So I guess that's my buddy. I have like yoga friends. Yoga friends. Like people I'll go to yoga Pilates with. Pilates friends. Yeah, Pilates. I really like Forma. Certain What's things Forma? like that. What is that? It's like, um, it feels like private Pilates. I mean, it is max four people. Some two to four people can be in a class and they're like specialized reformers that different from some of the other Pilates classes. The first time I had used one of those machines, I love it. It's an intense workout. Intense. Super intense. intense. Super intense. Yeah. And you go with your friends. Your, your, Usually your, like Whitney. Yeah, Whitney's the one who introduced me to sports. it. sports. So you, so you do what Whitney says to do in terms of stuff like that. Whitney is a big wellness, like she's my wellness friend. So, so I usually go to Whitney when I'm like, if there's a new facial or massage, or have you heard of this product or is this good? Like Whitney is my go-to friend for that. Is this Whitney Bischoff Angel? No. Which Whitney is this? Whitney Fransway? Yes. Whitney, Whitney Fransway. Like this week on Saturday this weekend, I was with, um, Whitney in Malibu. Just you guys do? relax, talking, catching up. Whitney was eliminated in week six during the two-on-one day. What the fuck? They got rid of Whitney's ass. Why? I thought Whitney was going to go so far, too. But that she was didn't. shocking. I'm surprised that she didn't go further. She made what's that say about? What's that say about her? She made top seven. So that's pretty far. I'm looking at your uh your Instagram. For as much as, as cool as y'all are, Whitney ain't never posted you. <laughs> I'm okay. only saying this because some people don't post their friends and stuff. I don't always post I don't my post friends. A lot of my like, family I was and all with that Whit- stuff. I was with Whitney on Saturday. Neither one of us Whitney posted before. Yeah, I, I posted her before. And yeah. I see Whitney post this big ass cookie on <laughs> <laughs> December 26, 2022. Now you got me curious to go look. Whitney, Whitney posted this big ass cookie, but uh, I don't I don't see you on this bitch nowhere. I'm going to be real. <laughs> and I wouldn't trip, but I see her other friends on here. Yeah, those are that's like her wellness click group mm-hmm. of friends. Is, like is, they travel together, they go on trips, they do all the things. Is she uh I'm like adjacent to those, to the, even though one of the girls was there with Nigga, me. Nigga, so. they've been everywhere. Mm-hmm. They, they, they've been skiing, mm-hmm. three peas in the pod. They've been, they've been to different places, big cookies, holiday checks mix she made. You know get, what I'm saying? Why are you, get off Whitney's face. I'm saying, we're talking about Whitney, you brought it up. And now I'm saying a lot of these look like. But but you're falling into that trap of, oh, if they don't post you, you're not really friends. I definitely don't think that because you don't you don't ever post me. And like sometimes people don't post, but I'm just saying in this situation. You didn't catch what I did. What? You were a part of one of my ads. 
<laughs> Kalika did. She goes, is that us on the wall? I did an ad for Mick. QVC Rach was back a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. I did an ad for Mixed Tiles about these framed photos that you can stick to the mixed wall. Tiles. And I framed the photo of us, all of the NAACP awards, looking so good. Mm-hmm. Framed it, put it up on our wall. Kalika said, that's so nice. See, I do. I Whitney do. is in this picture with Helen Owen, Alyssa Lynch, Sammy Clark, and Amanda Panda Page. And they look like they had they in white girl heaven. Helen was with us this weekend too. Who is Helen? Girl, you named Oh, Helen. She was with us this weekend. Helen Owen? Mm-hmm. Are all of these bachelor people? No, only Whitney. Only Whitney. But Helen they're Owen, all Helen Owen got 1.5 million followers. Yeah, she's a they're like she and her now fiance, they just got engaged, mm. are like what, those travel couples that you see. They go, people pay them to go around the world and they take pictures and videos and like they get all couples. these. <laughs> well, you really don't because I'm I looking don't at like your face. Couples, man. <laughs> Why? Bro, I, I, what like, it, I, don't, I don't like those couples. What? When we were going to Greece, I tried to uh, research and look at those couples. Some off, man. Some off about those people. What do you mean? Give me more. So I would look at the videos, right? And there were like two different pockets of people. The one pocket of person was, this is how you go to a place for $35. Okay. And I appreciated them because <laughs> it was really cheap as fuck. Yeah. $35. It's like, I'm not going to Greece and staying. It's like, here's the thing. You'll see all, and it would be so funny. You'll see all of these hotels and they're beautiful cliffside (laughs) hotels, but you don't have to do that. (laughs) If you're willing to drive an hour and 45 minutes, you can get to this place for $37 a night. Look at this. We were able to, here, don't worry about that. You might have to flick a couple of roaches. It's part of the local charm. And then those people I fucked with more. See the other people, the two fucking curated. The like curated, amazing looking white people. I found this black couple that I thought was really cool. The amazing looking white people with no fucking, fucking fat on their body that are staying in the most expensive suites. It makes me not want to do whatever they're doing. I don't like, I don't know why, but I don't like, I'm going all around. Oh, this is how you stay in Emirates. You like, we lay back when Emirates, <laughs> we're happy, we're so happy. To, like, stub your toe. So you don't like influencers? Not really. That's Because that, that's what they are. They get hired to go to these places, take these amazing pictures and make people want to have the experience that they're having. I, be, I, I think influencing should only be a job for black people. I think keep, white people... Keep going. I Why? think white people have had too much luck in America to be able to have it be a job to fucking go to Santorini. You need a little bit more struggle than that. That should be a black person's job. We should be able to have the jobs of going everywhere, living the lap of luxury and just chilling. I don't know why I didn't enjoy it. I, I will, I will say when it comes to influencing me as a part time influencer you at know, times, you you full time. When I hear what other people who come off the same show that I did make and I was a lead, mm-hmm. but they don't look like me, they're white the opportunities that they have, the brands that come to them, the amount of money that's offered to them. When I hear people say like, oh, I made like over a million this year on social media. And I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. I don't even come anywhere close to that. Mm -hmm. I have a 
totally different brand that's, that's different from yours that could be more attractive and, and attract more people, but it doesn't matter. So, you know, they're winning in corporate, they're winning in America, they're winning in influencing. Shout out to Whitney, who is a very nice person. Yeah, no, she's, she is great. Um, from Minnesota, something we talked about on this. Something we talked about from Minnesota. Makes sense. Maybe it was her. (laughs) We'll talk about, talk about what we talked about as far as Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, later on when, when Felicia joins us. Uh, What'd you do What'd this you, weekend? I was about to ask you. What'd you? I worked. You worked? I worked. I have to work Paley Fest. So mm-hmm. I had Mandalorian on Friday. Nice. Pedro didn't talk. So that was a bummer. Yeah. You didn't want to do it. Um, I had, and then Saturday I was in Malibu. Mm-hmm. Brian was sick. I think Brian had food poisoning. Got food poisoning. He doesn't he eat. He was sick. You know, all he eats what? is meat. He does a carnivore diet. Sure. He does a carnivore diet. So he mm-hmm. got sick Thursday. And I mean, like, Really I've never had food poisoning before. So he was just out Friday, Saturday, got now? him settled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's better. Got him settled. Then I went to Malibu for a couple hours. And then Sunday I had to work Paley Fest. Um, James Corden, late, mm-hmm. late show coming to an end. And um, Grey's Anatomy. Sweet. I uh, did nothing. I hung out. Me and my writing partner wrote yesterday. Fantastic. Uh, I watched... The game. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, I thought you were talking about the TV show. Saturday, I, uh, I boxed. Okay. Down in there. Boxed around with my homie Jimmy from the UK. He's got a fight coming up. Shout out to Jimmy. Um, and then after that, I just took a drive. Sometimes I just like to drive. Basically, I took a drive. We drove up near Palos Verdes. Came back down. Where's that? Right now. I don't know That's south. Okay. You know, near Torrance, but it's Close to the water, you drive up the hill. Palace Verdes is a is a nice hideaway for the rich, the rich here. Not mm-hmm. kind of a chill weekend. All these weekends are going to be chill for me. Well, like purposely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, all these weekends are going to be chill. There's, you know, maybe their energy concerns. Look, all of these weekends are going to be chill. I'm chilling. Okay. I'm feeling great. Your birthday's coming up. My birthday's coming out c- coming up April sixteenth. It's a fantastic situation. Uh, I, Sunday, yesterday, it was a good day. Okay, good. It's a good day to get work done on a show that I'm developing. Okay. It was a good day to bask in the joy of more absolute domination and achievement from Louisiana State University. The women, Angel Reese and company, mm-hmm. became the best number one top of the mountain in college basketball. Okay. Destroyed America's heart and soul <laughs> and snatched victory and brought it back to the bayou. That's what we do at LSU. Oh we God, snatch victory, we, we bring it back to the bayou. We take all of your hopes and dreams and we feed it to a fucking alligator is what we do. All right, we take everything that you think you're about and we hold you down under the waters of a swamp <laughs> and suffocate you. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I loved every bit about it. Of course, we're going to talk about all the bullshit that came along with it. Uh, but the weekend, the weekend was cool. So when Brian has food poisoning, do you like take care of him? As best as I can, but there's only so much you can do. <laughs> 
I didn't even know what. This is why it's that funny. <laughs> what's the cutoff, Rachel? So, what so what? Like, what's so? People think I'm so. So, so wait, 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 wait. Just because, look, look. If look, I call wait, Brian right now, he'd be like, "Yes, no, she really took care." So of So, just it's not obviously. I know that, but it's that answer. <laughs> so, so that's such an easy yes. You're know saying. That's a very so you, easy question. I thought you said, how did you take? That's not what I said. What I said, said, when Brian gets sick, do you take care of him? Yeah. That's not what you said. Your answer was, as best I can. <laughs> but there's only so much I can do. I'm not even talking to, I'm just letting you know that people, when people hear Rachel, that sounds let, wild. Let me <laughs> like, like, not sound in the control? Does that not sound wild? <laughs> Donnie, where Donnie at? Donnie. Yeah. That that sounds a little wild, right? It it did. It was wild and honest, <laughs> but I, I appreciate the honesty. Let me explain myself. My thinking was, I mean, he had food poisoning. There's only so much that I can do. I guess is what I'm thinking of. Like, he's sick. I can't get in the way. I All I can constantly do is say, are you okay? Do you need anything? So that's what I kept saying. Do you need anything? Can I bring you water? So I ordered immediately water, mm-hmm. Pedialyte, Gatorade, all the fluids, he couldn't keep anything down. I ordered him bone broth. So I would keep, I would just constantly keep checking on. So you took care of him. Yeah, I did take care you of him. You absolutely did. I did. But I guess I just feel bad because like my mother-in-law calls me and she's like, Brian's sick. Is he okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, he's getting, it was Saturday. So it's like, he's getting strength. He's standing outside. He's getting in the sun. You know, I've ordered him soup. I've ordered him rice, you know, some toast. I'm um, constantly checking in on him. She's like, okay, but you're not going anywhere today, are you? And I was like, excuse me? I am. I have things to do today. What am I supposed to do? Sit outside of his door? He's sleeping, eating, watching TV. Sleeping, eating, watching TV. My job is just to make sure he is comfortable. He has everything he needs. And then I got to go take care of some stuff. No? Am I supposed to sit outside no. and wait? No. I but- waited on him hand and foot. Okay. Okay. Play this out. Just to a degree. Let's just let's just roll it out of it. Okay. Okay. I had, so the mom is obviously going to be on the side over of the top. Of course. Of course. Where did you go on? So when was this? So I he got sick Thursday night. I was at the Glad Awards. Okay. Loved being there to support as an ally. It was fantastic. Um when I'm going on my way home, you know, I'm checking in and he's like, I'm sick. So that he got sick that night. Mm-hmm. Friday, I had to go to work. Mm-hmm. So I left him at home. Well, it's okay. Saturday is the day in question. But I made sure he was okay. Saturday, he was starting to move around and feel better. better. Yeah, he was like standing outside. He started to eat solid food. Right. He could hold stuff down. Okay. So I stayed with him till two o'clock. And then I left for a few hours and to get to Malibu, to get to be out and about in nature. Then I came home at like, a few hours later. Okay. So I don't have any issue. With that. Yeah. I don't there's no issue to have. I also didn't know that there was a sore spot between you and Mama Brian. Wait a minute. I didn't say sore spot. spot. You felt played when she said that. Yeah. I was like, I go, <laughs> I go. My response was, I think I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I think I said that. Like it just spewed out of me. Like I, it was maybe a little bit disrespectful, but I was like, almost like a, 
I got, I'm making sure he's, I would never have left him. If he had been in the position he was Thursday night, you wouldn't have I gone, would have never, have because I would have been concerned because I kept saying, is it your right side? Like, because I know somebody went to the hospital for appendicitis recently. I know somebody else who my sister's friend's husband passed away very recently from stomach pain, like mm. got rushed to the hospital, 29 years old. So that was on my mind. So Brian had stayed like that for 24 hours. There's no way I would have left him. I wanted to keep an eye on him. Right, right. Saturday, he was on the up. So Come up. when I asked the question, did you take care of him? We're getting <laughs> to the point. Listen, because I agree with you. You did what you're supposed to do. When, when you take care of him, when you said, as best. <laughs> as best as I could, what am I supposed to do? You weren't really answering me. So you were answering up. Brian's mom. <laughs> That's why I was like, God damn. Like, I was like, when you said that, I was like, that was kind of weird. I was like, he was like, you said, yo, I'm, this ain't the that day. Yeah, right there. Yeah, he was like, exactly. That was you weren't answering, you weren't talking to me, you were talking to her. Yeah, I did. As best as I could. What do you want me to do? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's exactly what that was. Cause in that moment, she made me feel like I wasn't doing enough. And I was like, I am so here and making sure he's okay. I'm on like all about him making him better and his well and making sure he's good. And his Brian! Is right. <laughs> we love you. <again. laughs> so exactly. <laughs> I got defensive. <laughs> like, right away. And we, I was like, God damn. All right. Uh, big deal of the day is reaction, overreaction, double standard, standard. <laughs> LSU wins the national championship in women's basketball. And the fucking internet blows up on the other side mm -hmm. of the screen. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. And that's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay, Rachel, did you watch the game? No, because I was working. Didn't see it. I was working. For those of you who don't know, Caitlin Clark is a fantastic, inspirational, once-in-a-generation basketball player from Iowa. Um, she's amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. She plays the game in a way that they just don't have enough adjectives to describe. Like she was able to capture the imagination of everyone who's watched her this year. There's not enough amazing things you can say about the way Kaylin Clark plays. Iowa, which is a team that's pretty talented, but not nearly on the level of like a South Carolina. They were able to beat South Carolina. Right. Uh, on Friday because Caitlin Clark just wouldn't allow Iowa to lose. Mm -hmm. When she wasn't scoring, she was passing. When she wasn't shooting from deep, she was breaking down the defense and getting in and getting layups. She's unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. Uh, all of that shit is over because mm -hmm. she ran into the Lady Bengals from LSU and they did what the fuck they were supposed to do. Uh, 102 to 85. Kaylin Clark had a good game, not a great game. She scored, but she wasn't very efficient. She yeah, had a good good. game. She had a good game, not a great game. And LSU, a team that was on fire from deep and features 
one of college basketball's best players on the court, and I would argue the most important cultural figure in women's college basketball, Angel Reese, the Bayou Barbie. We won the game. We're flat out better than Iowa. Fuck it. The game got overshadowed by two things. Number one, the officiating of the game was terrible. Like anybody who watched the game realizes that the refs were way too involved in the game. You can talk about who that helped or who that benefited. Um, you know, the game ended up, we ended up winning the game by 17 points. I don't think the officials were that big of a factor in a 17 point difference. LSU was better than Iowa. They're a better basketball team than Iowa. Okay. Um, but after the game is where a lot of this started to go left. Right. During the game, Angel Reese, the Bayou Bark in LSU, she was going at Kaylin Clark. Let's be honest with you. She's going at him. Kaylin Clark did the Tony Yayo. Everyone that says you're, that's the John Cena, you are culturally clueless and you're getting on my motherfucking nerves. She did the, she did the Tony Yayo. Kaylin Clark did that to the Tony, the Tony Yayo to a, a, t- a team in the game. And, uh, Andrew Reese did it to her a bunch of times mm-hmm. and pointed to her ring finger. Mm-hmm. She's the queen. She has a ring and she gave her the, you can't see me sign. Mm-hmm. Everybody lost their fucking minds. Classless, piece of shit, idiot. Oh, I saw that, Donnie. We'll talk about that. All of that stuff. I know. I was looking at right now. Classless, piece of shit, idiot. All of this stuff was happening. And it sparked a debate about misogynoir and how the world reacted to Angel Reese uh, when compared to Caitlin Clark. Your thoughts. Were you surprised? Let me ask you this. Were you surprised once you saw the way that with Angel, she was giving it right back to her? She's obviously excited. She's in the moment. You know how that is. Both of us used to compete on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, were you surprised? Did you know? Well, let me ask you this. Because I didn't get to watch the game in real time. When you saw that, did you know exactly what the reaction was going to be on on social? No, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be on social. I I. It, I assumed that the reaction to LSU spoiling Kalen Clark's coronation mm. um, wasn't going to be uh, a positive one from a lot of people. There are so many people that were into Kalen Clark. And let's just be honest. She's white. She's white. She's out there. She's taking down everybody. Uh, no one can guard her. South Carolina didn't have any answers for her. Right. And that's captivating in a different way. Uh, for audiences than when black athletes do. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. It is a fact, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she ran into a brick wall, some people are going to be upset about it. And I think they were, they took the emotion that they had from Caitlin Clark not being able to get it done and said, oh, and look who it was that beat her. These bunch of jigaboos from South Baton Rouge. And I mean, and, to, and that might sound like I'm being harsh, but some of this stuff was way, way, way out of bounds. Way out of bounds. And when you kind of boil it down, a lot of it is just overtly, overtly racist. Yeah. I mean, the response that people were having on social media, which is where I came in and I saw it because I didn't get to watch the game. So immediately when I'm when I'm done, I'm on social trying to figure out like, oh, what happened? Getting recap of the game. And I'm all I'm seeing is what happened 
with Angel Reese at the end of the game with Caitlin Clark. And I'm not surprised because this is something that goes beyond the court. It's not just the way that they treat uh, black athletes or women athletes or black women athletes. It's just how this, the standard for black women in, in every sector, I feel like, because it's, it's like a tell as old as time. Black women are supposed to be a certain way. They're supposed to not ruffle any feathers. They're supposed to sit, be in a certain box. They're not supposed to be too loud. They're not supposed to be too confident. They're not supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. But their counterparts, white women, can do all of that and are praised for it. I've talked about this before on the podcast on my own experience of being on The Bachelor and how when I said something, I was angry and negative and rude and this was the real me, but the opposite would do it and they were praised for it. They were empowering, confident, somebody you looked up to, they were a role model. The standard has never been the same. So I wasn't shocked by this by any means, but I, I, I've i seen people talk about it both ways, black versus white. I've seen people talk about it, men versus women. But what I hope comes out of all of this is a conversation and, and acting on that conversation of the way the media, social media portrays these women. There was the clip, and I think, Donnie, you have it, um, which you can play it on the way prior to this game of the, the perception of the conversation that was surrounding Caitlin Clark as she was coming into this game. Donnie, can you play the clip? We love to see a good clap back, right? And no one does that better than Caitlin Clark. I mean, just a couple of days ago in her game against Louisville, she basically told Haley Van Lift, you're down 15 points, shut up. We're gonna go talk to some of her teammates to see what are some of your best Caitlin clapbacks or best motivations. Let's find out. The last game when she was like, you can't see me. <laughs> The fact that Caitlin Clark was praised that way coming into this game and then the moment that someone who doesn't look like her, who's a black woman, taller than her, um, more taunting her, I would say in a better way, then all of a sudden it's negative. And I think that you, you, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how this is overt in the way that people are responding to her. And the only difference is the way that they look. And it's a, it's a standard that, as I said, exists in other sectors of society, but it's just blatant here in the way that the media was handling it between Caitlin and between Angel. And it's almost just exhausting too, as far as the way that everybody is playing this whole situation out, because I enjoy the rivalry. I enjoy the taunting. I enjoy the back and forth. I think it makes the game so much more exciting. And in so many other ways, we praise it, right? When guys do it on basketball, baseball, football, whatever sport it, it may be, we praise that. But then when it comes to women, they're supposed to act a certain way. And then when it comes to black women, you're held to an even higher standard to act a certain way. And the fact that they can't just play the game and this has become such a bigger deal. One, it is highlighting a conversation that we need to continue to talk about so hopefully things can change, but it just also shows you how unfairly black women in particular are treated as far as athletes and just in general with society. Well said. I'm going to get into one person's very specific reaction to this, and we're going to stay on this for a while. But before I get to that, I do want to hear from Angel Reese so that she can have her say, Donnie, Play injuries addressing what she did on the court. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, all year I was critiqued about who I was. Nobody, I don't, yeah, yeah, the narrative, I don't fit the narrative. I don't fit in the box that y'all want me to be in. 
I'm too hood. I'm too ghetto. Y'all told me that all year. But when other people do it, y'all don't say nothing. So this was for the girls that look like me, that gonna, that's going to speak up on what they, they believe in. It's unapologetically you. And that's what I did it for tonight. This was for the more than, it was just bigger than me tonight. It was bigger than me. Twitter is going to go in a rage every time. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy. I feel like I've grown, helped grow women's basketball this year. I'm super happy and excited. So I'm looking forward to celebrating in the next season. Let's talk about a couple of things that are here that I think are interesting. Mm-hmm. Number one, there is a sort of uprising of the saucy, spicy white female athlete in college basketball. It's not just Kaylin Clark, it's also Haley Van Leet from Louisville. Um, and people love it. Is there a rise in it? I mean, something, when I say a rise, I mean, I've heard about those two players and their demeanor more than I've heard about players like this in the past. I've heard about their demeanor. Like, Haley Van Leith is like, she's, uh, she was mentored by Kobe. She plays like Kobe. Like, the fact that she didn't make the All-American team, she was honorable mention All-American. They ask when you get a good clip, a good sound bite from her for from it. Uh, Caitlin Clark plays in a very swagged out, braggadocio way, and everybody loves it, right? I guess I'm thinking of like Diana Taurasi. All of those players yeah. are are the same. Like mm-hmm. the, the Diana Taurasi has been around doing this, and she's that's that's my generation's, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, first of all, I think it's interesting that these women are cosplaying black culture anyway, right? If we look at like what, what's going on, they are Haley Van Leith is doing her best Kobe impression. That's fine. That was one of her mentors. When you see Caitlin Clark, uh, she is literally doing the Tony Ayo, whatever people think that that's a John Cena thing. John Cena got that from Tony Ayo. I right? bet she doesn't know that. But, it, but it, well, what I'm saying is the way basketball culture is consumed and the players that they want to be like, mm-hmm. They are representing and emulating black culture and the way black people act and the way we play basketball. And the way we play basketball, where I'm from, is I'm going to bust your ass and then I'm going to tell you that I'm busting your ass. It's gravy when the the game stops. Maybe. Sometimes. Not all the time. Mm -hmm. And just as I'm busting your ass, I'm going to tell you that I'm busting your ass. I'm also, when when you get a shot off, hey, that's, that's a good one. I remember watching... Ja against Luca. Ja is on Luca. He's in Luca's face. Luca steps left, steps right, turn around, fall back jumper, scores. Ja says, tough bucket, boy. Tough bucket, but I'm gonna be there all night. Tough bucket. They gonna talk. They gonna talk sometimes when you get a bucket on them. There's going to be a talk. And by the way, if you came to the bottom and we were playing basketball or football or whatever, and that game gets won, it's gonna be like, yeah, good game, good game. Take that shit back across town. Good game, good game, good game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all thought y'all had to take that shit back across the That's the way that it goes. Sure. So there's two things happening right here. Number one, America has, they have a, they have a tolerance for how much black they want. They always want diet black. Always. And whether diet black is in a black person that is watered down or whether diet black is from a white person who is emulating black people, America always wants diet black, right? And in this case, Kaylin Clark is diet black and Angel Reese is black 
with all the calories. Okay. That's a black woman. Mm-hmm. So this kind of gets back to a conversation that we would have about allies. I'm going to talk about Keith Oberman in a second. Mm-hmm. I want people to know, and shout out to my brother, Jabril, for putting me on this in this, in this very way. Whenever I would get mad about racial, racial shit when it comes to white people, he would say, Van, I want you to understand something. They don't like you. They don't think you're attractive. They don't think you're smart. They don't think you're interested. They are waiting. And they sometimes can't help it. All of these people that were mad about Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark, they weren't making that up. They were really mad. Yeah. Like this is their actual feelings. Their actual feelings is that one of these people is an exuberant, spunky, ultimate competitor. And the other one is a piece of shit, as Dave Portnoy, the president of Barstool, called her, or a fucking idiot, as Keith Olbermann, former ESPN host, called her. Like, talking about Mm -hmm. a 20-year-old person here. Okay? So, like, when we have conversations and I say, I don't want allies or I don't think that it's an achievable goal. It's not because I'm being obtuse or standoffish. Is it? Be, it's because I don't think it exists. I, I and, and those invitations to the cookout that niggas love to give. Yeah. All of that stuff that always blows up in your fucking face. And then you get to see what the real is. And the real is they just don't get you. And that's okay. They don't have to. They don't get you. See what, what, what Angel Reese was doing? When we hooping, that's how we act. That's how we act. We don't do it in a way. I, I don't look when I'm, when I'm fucking over you, I don't look at your bench and give them the sign. I give it to you and I make sure you can see me. I make sure you can see me. I don't half-ass it. I don't throw a stone and hide my hand. These are all things that black people talk about. This is our, like, I don't do none of that. When I'm, when I'm torturing you, you know you're getting tortured. If it's like that, and we to that point, I'm not fucking around like that. So if you want to play that game and you decide that you're going to wave somebody off from South Carolina when they about to shoot. Mm-hmm. If you want to play that game, if you're going to talk your shit, back it up, Get your W or get the fuck off the motherfucking court. And when you lose, there's no decorum in it. She didn't call that girl out her name. She didn't physically push that girl. She didn't do anything like that. She said, this is your shit. Now you can't see me. Come give me my ring. When Joe Burrow, when we won and Joe Burrow pointed to his hand and said, give me my ring, was Joe out of line? Joe was the swaggiest, sauciest, quarterback, maybe player that we've maybe ever had at LSU. And people love them for it. Yep. And they only change these dynamics when it comes to you. Yep. Because they really don't fuck with you. The best thing you can do is have, like, for me, is try to understand each other. Just make the effort to try. But all it is, like, you're one of the good people, from men to women. 
Like, it's not, I'm going to always disappoint black women. Despite my best laid plans, I'm going to always disappoint black women. So the best thing that we can do is have conversations about that and about the boundaries that shouldn't be crossed. But handing out invitations to um, to cookouts and, oh, this is my ally, that's what happens and then you don't get posted on Instagram. Well, this is what I will say. One, Caitlin Clark. You missed it. And then you don't get posted on Instagram. What are you talking about? Whitney. <laughs> oh, okay, good one. <laughs> um, Caitlin Clark. She, you, I just want to be clear. It's everybody else talking around her. She hasn't said anything. She kind of did. She said she didn't. All I saw, so I want to get it wrong, is that she said she didn't see. She was focused on shaking hands or getting into Say the exactly line. what she said. I, Donnie, do you have give, it? Give me the exact quote. And, and, and this is another thing right here. This, and I'm not, by the way, I love Caitlin Clark. No, no, no. I, I'm, I have a point. I want to hear what she has to say, too. With USA Today again, Caitlin, can you tell us uh, at the end of the game what happened? There's a lot blown up on Twitter about Angel Reese following you around, pointing to her ring finger and taunting you. Honestly, I have no idea. I was just trying to get to the handshake line and shake hands and, you know, be grateful that my team was in that position. Um, You know, that's all you can do is, you know, hold your head high, be proud of what you did and, you know, all the credit in the world to LSU. You know, they were tremendous. They they deserve it. Um, they had a tremendous season. Kim Mulkey coached them so, so well. Um, you know, she's one of the best basketball coaches of all time, um, and it shows. And uh, she only said really kind things to me in the handshake line, so I'm very grateful for that too. But um, honestly, I have no idea. And uh, I was just trying to, you know, spend the last few moments on the court with especially the five people that I've started 93 games with um, and relishing every second of that. Now, what Caitlin Clark could have done was she could she could have shot some bell. What she could have said is what Kobe or what's Steph Curry when when Chris Paul shimmied on Steph Curry. Do you know what Steph Curry said? What? Steph Curry said, I shimmy. So I can't be mad if he shimmies. Yes. So she could have shot her some bell. She, she said chose be- not to. She could have said better. She also could have said worse. I guess the only reason I wanted to bring that up is because the way that you were talking, it made it seem like, because you were like, if you got an issue with it, get off the court. And I, and the, the issue isn't Caitlin saying anything, even in response to Angel. It's everybody else talking around it. And so your point about allies, I get what you're saying about allies. We, we have, we disagree on whether or not you can and can't be an ally. But if if I'm looking at a Dave Portnoy or I'm looking at Keith Olbermann, I was ne- these are not the people that I was ever inviting to a cookout or considering an ally. Dave Portnoy has, we already, we, we've talked Morning. about him on this, on this podcast. Yeah. He makes fun of, he's all the things, sexist, racist, like it, he's completely offensive. So to your point about being an ally, him making that comment is right in line with exactly who Dave Portnoy is. Mm-hmm. Keith Olbermann, same thing. He's done a lot of controversial stuff too, which is why he's been out of ESPN and then MSNBC or where, and I don't even know what he's doing now. I think he just has a podcast. So to make the comparison or to bring the ally argument, I don't know if that necessarily fits here because I didn't see an example from someone who I'm like, damn, I'm shocked that they said that. Everybody else, it falls in line exactly who they are. So, this is the thing. Number one, I was surprised at Keith Oberman. And because Keith Oberman is an ultra liberal. He's been wild. He's, yeah. and we'll talk about it. He's, he's an ultra liberal who, um, 
who is one of the most ardent critics, staunch critics, should I say, of President Trump. And a lot of people would think, I mean, I was, I saw this because I was following Keith Oberman. Sure. And I've liked Keith Oberman since he's been on sports. Keith Oberman has shown me that he's a piece of shit now. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you why when we kind of, uh, when I, we dig into this. The last thing I'll say about this before I leave is it wasn't, for them, it wasn't just them. It, for me, it wasn't just them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Dave Portnoy is going to be Dave Portnoy. Okay. Um, but for me, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about reactions from just people that I know that are, that were like saying weird shit, mm. disappointed, making fun, posting videos of the way Angel re- uh, reacted, making fun of it. Like it, it was different. They really, are invested into Caitlin Clark because not just of who she is and how she plays, we all love the way she plays sure. because of who she is. And so for me, the reason why I always bring it back to that is because I'm saying there is a 100%, in my opinion, disappointment rate when it comes to thinking somebody's on your side when they don't really get you. There, there are There are differences and these differences present in different ways. And so the best thing we can have are not allies, but treaties. You know what I mean? And that way, we're not all up in arms when something like this happens. It's This is a reminder of the fact that they don't think your nails are pretty. They don't like your eyelashes. They don't. They want you to change that. They want you to look like them. They think they're pretty. They want people, they want you to make them feel comfortable. And the moment that you start making them feel uncomfortable is when these attacks start coming. I know. I lived it. I, I understand. So let's talk about Keith Olbermann real quick. Uh, Keith Olbermann tweeted, what a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Keith, Ol- Keith Olbermann tweeted, what a fucking idiot as it relates to Andrew. This is out of bounds and out of line for a lot of reasons. Number one, these are college athletes. I'm still the person that looks at directly calling a college athlete of that age. I don't care what you say about NIL, a fucking idiot, um, as a no-no. Also, I look at Keith Oberman and I say, you must have some balls on you to talk about that black lady like that. I don't give a fuck what y'all say about me or what y'all say. I'm not fucking going for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he has, like you said, been in trouble before. He was suspended from ESPN for a week in 2015 because he called, uh, students that were raising money, raising millions of dollars for pediatric cancer at Penn State idiots. No, so he called them pitiful. He called them pitiful. Um, and because he called them pitiful, he was, in a cultural war with Penn State over the Joe Paterno situation, ESPN said, uh, we're going to take him off the show for a week. But here's the deal, though. He apologized. He said, I apologize for the PSU tweets. I was stupid and childish and way less mature than the students who did such a great fundraising job. All right. He has also addressed what he said uh, about Caitlin Clark excuse me, about Angel Reese. said, I apologize for being uninformed last night about the backstory on this. I don't follow hoops, college or pro, men or women. I had no idea about Clark. Both were wrong. 
this is kind of what I'm talking about. You might have not been surprised that Keith Oberman did this, but a lot of people I know, black colleagues that worked with him at ESPN, they were surprised. Do you remember what he said about Trump? Uh, the Kuta Kente thing. Yeah. Tell people what he said. So he tweeted back in 2020, I guess it was right around the election, that he it was a retweet, someone else, a quote tweet, and he said that Donald Trump has been and will always be on the day of his bid for re-election, still is a whiny little Kunta Kente. Hmm. Yeah. Which shocked people because remember, Keith's supposed to be one of the good ones. Right. So he's not a stranger to making offensive statements. Liberal doesn't necessarily mean you're an anti-racist. It absolutely doesn't mean that. First of all, there's no such thing as being an anti-racist. People are people. You can You can try to show up as best as you can, but... The conditioning that America gives you when it comes to this stuff is so overwhelmingly powerful that you're fighting against so many different things that I feel like we need to focus on smaller victories. When he looked at this and and uh, when, when he said this, he didn't apologize for calling that young black lady a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. He didn't apologize for it. He apologized for not, for being uninformed last night and not knowing the backstory. So when it comes down to saying that you're sorry, the kids at Penn State are worth an apology. Right. And they're worth an admission that you were being childish, which obviously cursing a a college athlete out on Twitter is. Mm -hmm. But Angel Reese is not worthy of that. Not only that, but I want to make sure people know, he doubled down on his podcast. Donnie, give me that audio. Scored 40 points and had triple-double and made a wrestling gesture towards her opponents, meaning you can't see me. Last night, Reese and LSU beat Clark and Iowa for the national title, 102-85, to and Reese made the same gesture to Clark and added another one, indicating she was getting the championship ring. Reese was named MVP of the tournament, and I'm not sure anybody will remember that, nor the fact that LSU won the title, just the fact that women's hoops has now achieved parity with the men its stars can also be classless winners who are willing to overshadow their own team's ultimate victories. This motherfucker is out of line. <laughs> I'm not shocked by him. I'm just not. I guess I don't expect much from Keith Olbermann. I'm not saying it's okay. I think it highlights that some people are just so comfortable talking in such a disrespectful way to black people and don't think anything of it would never fix their mouth to say that about any other person. And then, and I guess to make it worse, you didn't have context. So you're telling me all you saw was a video of a girl waving her hand in front of her face and pointing to her hand, and you had no context and you, for that? You said, that's a fucking idiot? Yeah, what the... Like, that's, it's even worse to me that you did absolutely. it with no context. Right. That you had no clue what was going on. You just saw that black woman who was taller than black, a woman to a smaller white girl. Woman, I should say. Excuse me. Woman. These people don't love y'all. Y'all want them to love y'all. I'm telling you. It's not. Don't y'all mean. Y'all want them to love y'all, man. I'm telling you. Y'all want. If we're looking at Dave and Keith. It's not about Dave and Keith. Y'all want them to love (laughs) y'all. Y'all want them to love y'all. It's not about that. Is not you, there's, there's a thing to where 
and we talked about, we're going to talk about this a little bit when we talk about Felicia and Felicia makes some amazing points and she's an amazing black woman, but we still want the acceptance of white America. Part of even my reaction, if I'm being honest, to all of this is that white America refuses to accept parts of white America, parts of white America refuses to accept who Angel Ruiz is. True. Like part of white America refuses to accept Angel Reese, and not just her, but the entire LSU women's basketball team. Like this was, like Uncle Luke said, this was UNLV versus Duke, if you look at this. The fact that there, I know that there's this deep sense of inequity that exists, that's what the thing is. That I want her to be understood. I want her to be accepted. I want it to be okay to be Angel Reese. And in my soul, I know that for a lot of people, it's not. And it wouldn't have mattered what the fuck she had done. True. Like the 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 women from South Carolina just go out there and play and they get called, according to Coach Don Staley, thugs and bar fighters and all of that just from the way they actually play the game. Well, Iowa coach said it was like a bar fight. Iowa oh, coach said it was like a bar that. fight, yeah. right? just for the way that they play the game. Right. So when I see all of this, that's why last night I was in hog heaven. I love the tears. Fucking cry. Your cup was full. Oh my God. (laughs) My cup was full. Fucking cry. Cry. This is what I will say. We do not agree on the ally stuff, but what I would hope people stop doing And that goes from the clip that Donnie played earlier of the way they did a whole package on Caitlin Clark being the clapback queen. First off, what the the examples they were giving, that's not even the definition of a clapback. It's not even what clapbacking is. But the, the, the bar is so low that she can just do a little bit and it's praise. That is what I will agree with you that we have to stop doing. When people dance a certain way, when they dress, people, white people dress a certain way, talk a certain way, dance a certain way, play basketball a certain way. We can't automatically praise them and like say that, you know, like as if they're one of us. We have to, we have to gatekeep when it comes to that. And I think we do that too often. We're so quick to praise them for just a little bit of things that they do that's not, there are things that they do that aren't walking the straight line. We have to let go of that. I'm not going to go as far as the ally thing, but I will say we got to stop doing that. We got to let it go. So before we move on to the ridiculous thing that Joe Biden just said, just fucking, okay. Um, I want to give you guys an example of something. Uh, I read this on OutKick. Oh, what you doing over there? I, mean, I love OutKick. No, I love OutKick. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, OutKick was talking about Caitlin Clark. Who wrote the article? I can't remember. Um, OutKick was talking about Caitlin Clark. Uh, actually, I can tell you right now. It's by Mike Gunzelman. Okay. Mike Gunzelman over there at OutKick. Um, Excerpts. This article is about people's reaction or what he might think people's reaction would be to Caitlin Clark disrespecting the South Carolina three-point shooter who actually came along in the second half and made some threes. Mm-hmm. She made some threes, shout out to him. Um, by waving her off and saying, whatever, whatever. Now, when you're on the basketball court, it's not that big of a deal. No, not you know, at all. Like, and it's not that big of a deal because 
is like I'll say all kinds of shit. If you can't shoot, I'll be like, ah, oh, he with us. You know what I mean? I like, oh, he with you. us. He with us. Hey, 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 lead that, lead that, lead that, lead that, lead that. I, I'm trying to make you shoot the ball because I know that you can't shoot. Every single bat, I didn't just break. Every single basketball player knows that. Knows that. When we're kids, self-check, self-check, <laughs> self-check. Like, you, you don't even have to do nothing. We, you want them to shoot. You're trying to get somebody out of their game. Um, this is what they wrote about this. But the bottom line is this isn't a recreational basketball league. This isn't elementary school. This is the damn Final Four. Caitlin and the rest of the women have been working their whole entire life for this. Sure, it's a cold move. And I'm sure there will be phony outrage by the holier-than-thou in sports media to make her apologize. But what for? This is sports, one of the highest competitive levels of women's basketball. Hell, more people care about the NCAA Women's Tournament than the actual WNBA. Do you think Michael Jordan would apologize if he did something like that? What about Kobe Bryant? Hell no. Every single athlete, interview, and book about the two of them all said the same thing. They were relentless on the court. That killer instinct-like personality is exactly what made Jordan and Kobe the greatest players in the history of the game. I actually agree with you. Was he talking about Angel? He was talking not, about Caitlin. Who was he saying should not apologize? Caitlin Clark shouldn't apologize for waving off. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl. That's what he was saying. Okay. Um, there's a show called Hot Mike on Outkick. Hutton and Withrow. Okay. I listened to what they had to say about Caitlin Clark. Um, Donnie, play a little bit of it. I can't think of an example of anyone in sports going directly to someone as respected as Caitlin Clark or anyone and flaunting that way when winning a title. You know, there's a lot of trash talk that happens over the course of a game, or you hit a three on someone, you do something, words are exchanged, fights happen. What Caitlin Clark did in one swoop of the face that was captured by ESPN towards either her bench, the scores table, or one Louisville player, I can't really tell, is quite a bit different than Angel Reese following her around the court when the seconds are ticking off, trying to get her attention to show her what she's doing and pointing to the ring on her finger that she'll now have. So the two are not equal. Again, I think too much is being made of the Angel Reese thing. I wouldn't want my player doing that. Now, that's okay. how they thrive. That's enough. Oh, I was like, they? they it's okay. She's talking about LSU. Okay. Um, you're always going to be too much for them. Always. You're always going to be too much. You're always going to be too much. It's always going to be, hey, it wasn't as bad. This is okay, but it's across the line. You're always going to be too much. Just read your article praising Caitlin Clark for demoralizing her opponents because that's mm -hmm. what you do at the highest level of competition. Mm -hmm. But Caitlin Clark, a player of her stature, as if Angel Reese didn't just get most outstanding player, right. is if she's supposed to have some deference to her. Angel Reese set a record for double-doubles, right? She's supposed to have some deference to her. No, she's supposed to kill her on the basketball court. And if you want to stand over a corpse, it's on you. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, Jill Biden wants both teams at the, um, at the White House. I, Joe. 
So the champions go to the White House. Oh. <laughs> so what happens? You win, you go to the White House. Right, 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 right. Joe Biden spoke Monday at the Colorado State Capitol in Denver. She praised Iowa sportsmanship. I know we'll have the champions come to the White House. We always do. So we hope LSU will come. But you know, I'm going to tell Joe, I think Iowa should come too because they played such a good game. It's not going to happen. <laughs> the fuck? Jill, why don't you just go ahead and invite everybody who played in March Madness? Because everybody played a good game. Everybody did well. This is not where sportsmanship comes into play. It's like a right of, like, this is what happens. You win, you go to the White House, you meet the president. It's like part of the trophy. It's part of winning. Not because people played a good game. Joe, Joe get look, your girl. Look, man, they, <laughs> keep, they keep proving me right, Rachel. Now the White House, Jill Biden, who's not, she, I guess she has influence. I don't know. I don't want to be a misogynist, but I don't think that they're going to listen to Jill Biden on this. I don't know how that works. No, they're know. not. It's not being a misogynist. It's just like, no, because I'll say it and it'll be a dance. Yes, yes, yes. First, yes, yes, no power. I say some fucky fat boy. If Kamala it's, said it, it wouldn't matter. Like, it's not, it's not. Nah, nigga, fuck that. No, you, you can't do that now. Nigga. No. <laughs> Hell no. If like, no, no, no. Fuck my me. point is. If Kamala that, said this right now, I bet I had better not say no, shit. No, my point is. Oh, is that neither, it's not up to all. either one of them, is my point. It's not up to either one of them. So you're not being a misogynist. It's up to. It, what I'm saying is that Joe, I guess. now we're now we going to let what the they lost no they don't get to come to the White House LSU in the White House get the gap motherfucker <laughs> like LSU is no it's not they don't get to come to the White House ain't no coming to the White House ain't no coming to the White House I, I feel like I can't even pay attention to this like Jill's just talking can we all just get along that's literally the equivalent of that look by the way I don't want, I don't want people to think I want to make sure I clarify something it's all love. But what I'm saying is, don't set yourself up for fail. It's all love. Hey, man, me and Corey chill. I talk, you know, it's, it's, it's all love. But what I'm saying is, stop bumping your head up against the same wall with these motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I get so mad, Rachel. I see. People all on Twitter talk about Angel Reese ain't about this. Angel Reese ain't about that. My young and a tiger on PMAC in them. He say, they say, she don't be putting in no work. Shut the fuck up. Y'all niggas don't know shit. All y'all motherfuckers talking about Angel Reese ain't no hitter. Angel Reese ain't this. Angel Reese a fake. Y'all know she got double doubles like in and out. Been repping LSU since like, I don't know when. The next motherfucker talk shit about Angel Reese, I'm straight beating their ass. I catch another nigga talking sweet about Angel Reese. I'm going up in your shit. You know how she be rolling with Harold Perkins and them. Let's take a break. <laughs> Thank you.
It has come out, and a lot of people have uh, been wanting me to respond to this, that the Bachelor creator, Mike Fleiss, he's a part of the franchise after. Well, first, it was announced that he was leaving the franchise, all right? He put out a statement. His contract was up. And it seems that he was turning over, you know, giving the reins over to other people who had been a part of the organization. And he's going to let them take the lead, almost as if it was time for him to move on. It's a very nice statement. Mm-hmm. Then Variety comes out. And they say, oh, no, there was a reason as to why Mike Fleiss left. And it's being reported that he left because it was after an investigation into racial discrimination. So according to Variety, a number of employees had complained to Human Resources about Mike Fleiss, which led to a thorough investigation that was conducted by an outside party. They spoke to current producers on the show. They also spoke to former production staffers as well. They complained about Fleiss's bullying behavior and his resistance to increasing diversity on the show for the last two decades. They say that he would say things, quote, like, minorities don't get ratings. So, of course, we're like, well, Rachel, what's your response? I have publications hit me up. Would you like to give a response, a comment, a comment? I mean, what is my comment going to be? Well, duh. Of course, this is the case. I came on the show, and it was 15 years before that, not one person of color had been a lead. Who's in charge of the show? Who's over the whole thing? It's Mike Fleiss. Chris Harrison at one point, Soup Kitchen, as he's known on the show, I don't know why you use this. Why you came do. out at one point and talked about how, listen, we would love for there to be diversity on the show, but at the same time, we've got to employ hundreds of people. And let, let me get, let me actually say it right so I don't misquote him. He said, so in reference to the, to there being a lack of, or referring to the fact that there's a lack of diversity on the show, he said, listen, we all want to keep our jobs. And so we're going to do the best job we can of reaching diversity, having more of that represented on the show. We're going to try to cast the show better. We're going to do our best. But at the same time, we got to keep people employed on the show is mm. basically what he was saying. And so that's something that Mike Fleiss, like that's coming from the top with Mike Fleiss. That's coming from Chris Harrison, who's posting the show. And he'd also say, for whatever reason, these people don't come forward to be all part of the bachelor. And he wishes that they would. In 2012, two, they would be, would have been contestants. They didn't make it onto the show, but they sued the bachelor. I remember this. Coming. And because of the fact of them not casting minorities on the show. Mm-hmm. And then the judge dismissed the case and he said it's their First Amendment right to cast whoever they want to on the show. And I think a couple of, a couple of seasons after that, they had more minorities, but then they eventually went back to having majority white cast. Well, they've always had majority white cast, but just like, you know, like white 90%. Show. White. Yeah. So like, this is the least surprising news. Of course, if, if you're looking at a show for, for 15 years, they had a diversity issue and never made any effort to increase diversity on the show. And then when they talked about the lack of diversity, they blamed it on the fact that minorities didn't feel comfortable coming on the show or the fact that they had to keep people employed on the show. And if they had minorities, minorities wouldn't get ratings and people wouldn't watch the show and they would lose their advertisers. That's what Chris Harrison goes on to say. This is prior to all the other shit that happened when he got the name Soup Kitchen. So, I mean, what do people want me to say? Of course. Of what's course, this, what's this face? <laughs> <laughs> you just that—that that was you went back to 
What do you want me to What is, am I supposed to be shocked? Do you know Mike Slice? Have you ever met him personally? I have met, and here's, here's the thing. I never had a bad experience with Mike Slice. Would I consider Mike Slice an ally? No. I'm not over here inviting him to the picnic because I was the shiny token for them. I knew, I can remember my audition or the lack thereof. They handed it to me. There was nobody else who was going to even be considered for Bachelorette unless I said no. It was Rachel checks all our boxes. If we're going to step out for the first time and have diverse a a diverse lead with a diverse cast, Mm. then we got to have somebody who makes them feel comfortable. Comfortability comfortability is very which I did because I checked those boxes for them until I didn't. Yeah, get the fuck out. Until I didn't, and then I became a problem within the franchise. So for he was never going to. Matter of fact, he actually spoke out when my ratings were lower than the season before. He mm-hmm. said, "Well, that's due to our Trumpish audience." Right. So he was saying things that were pro me. He su- supported me publicly. I've gone to lunch with him and his wife at the time, and all of that because I was their token. Do you support Mike Flies? In what way? I mean, it, you have a good relationship with Mike Flies. I had a relationship with Mike Fleiss. Would you Fleiss. go to bat for I Mike had a, Fleiss? I don't no, know anything about No, I would have done it about. right now. Yeah. I'm not going to go to bat for Mike Fleiss. I had a working relationship with Mike Fleiss. I had a working relationship with Soup Kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we come we come from the same world as a boy. So I can be polite. I can be politically correct. But of all the people that you worked with on The Bachelor, in terms of the people who are decision makers there, are there any people there that you would that you would categorize as allies? The people who are on the executive level? Yeah. No. There might be one. (laughs) But the reason I'm going to hesitate is because the excuse used to be, well, you didn't have the power to do it. Because of who was at the top. Like, we try, we try to do this. We put this out there, but we can only do so much. Now you have the power. So we'll see what you do. So producers complained about flies and his bullying behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Mike Fleiss, and I'm not trying to, but like, shouldn't they have known that Mike Fleiss could be like a behavioral issue? They knew. Yeah, shouldn't it's they like have, the worst kept secret. But shouldn't they have known, being that he was criminally charged for harassing David Charvet and Brooke Burke? And in 2019... Fleiss's wife, who was probably the wife that you're talking about. It was. Alleged that he physically assaulted her when she was pregnant and demanded that she get an abortion. Two weeks later, after the criminal investigation came, she dropped the assault charges and received a $10 million settlement. Now, this is what I'm saying. I am not litigating Mike Fleiss's life. Sure. I'm going back to the fact that Mike Fleiss, as a powerful, white, problematic man, had been doing shit. Yeah. And part of the reason why he probably was able to stay there for so long is because these guys hold specific weight. And the system, we're going to talk to Felicia about this. Mm Mm-hmm protects them. Well, and it comes down to money. So it was 
a money-making show. It has a steady, huge following. He was continuing to make money. There's this cult following. There's a whole day of the week that's taken over with The Bachelor. The only reason that I got to come in and nobody was forcing him to make any change, not the network that was showing it, not Warner Brothers that bought the show. Nobody was forcing him to make any changes to increase diversity or to have more of an inclusive show. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until Channing Dungy came in, a black woman who became over ABC Entertainment, who demanded at upfront that they would have a diverse league. Then came Rachel. Then came Rachel. I got it because a black woman said, no, this is what you will do. Yeah, Someone held them accountable. Yeah, she and I posed together at the Hollywood, uh, in the Hollywood Reporter. She was named one of like top, I think they do a top 100 influential or top 50. And she asked me to be in the, her photograph with him. Wow. She's great. She's still at Warner Brothers. Um, are you still tapped in with Batch, Batch Action? Mm, I know there's a black bachelorette. Do you think that this will make any change in terms of the way things are going with the Batch? It seems that this guy held a lot of weight and had some bad ideas. Now that he's gone, do you see Batch being, maybe take the shackles off? Ooh, bad. So that they can do, do you see so anything they, changing? Um, no. What would have to change? Last question for me. For the Batch to become inclusive land, land of, of uh, equal opportunity and equal exposure, what would have to change in batch culture? The audience. It's the audience, right? Because the, the, it's the audience, I guess, who watches the show. It's the audience who expects a particular type of product, their leads to look a certain way. And that's why they keep giving it to them in a certain way. I think the audience has to change for it to be any different. I, I don't see it changing. They only know what they know how to do. The same people with power. They just now have a higher role. It's the same people. They've been doing this for 20 years at this point. Mm. Nothing's going to change. This is all they know how to do. And I think they're too afraid to do it any other way or too lazy. Uh, so that's done. I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised, guys. Wow. Least shocking news. Um, we're going to do one more thing here. I want people to know something. But where I come from, there's a problem. And we're going to get to police after this. Where I come from, there's a problem. Louisiana is a beautiful state. It's a state that has a troubled history in almost every way. Has a troubled history as far as race relations. Has a troubled history as far as economics are concerned. It's a troubled history. So many things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a really unique place. It's a really unique place. It's, oh. it's home. It's a place where, uh, the people look unique. They speak in a very unique way. Um, you can't tell what the influences are sometimes in Louisiana, whether it's Spanish, whether it's French, whether it's Haitian. You go to different places and you feel like you're in two completely different countries sometimes. You get, you get to certain places. You get down there below a certain point and you don't feel like you're on earth. Like you get to a certain point, like you get down near about to cut off and down near there where people talk a certain way, they have a certain accent, the water is brackish, meaning um, in some of these places it's part fresh water, uh, part salt water, the wildlife is different, 
It's like a really special, unique place. And everybody feels that way about their home state, but I really do feel that way about mine. Um, but we're sick. Like we're sick for a lot of reasons. Like we're like, you know, the mortality rate, infant mortality rate is high. The um, life expectancy is not that great. But we also, we get cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part of Louisiana corridor known as, known as Cancer Alley. And citizens are trying to do something about it. So I want to make sure that they have some light shown on it. Citizens of St. James Parish, Louisiana, have announced a federal lawsuit against the parish council claiming acts of environmental racism by local leaders in the heart of the heavy industrialized stretch of the Mississippi River, often referred to as Cancer Alley. The lawsuit argues that the approval of more than a dozen facilities in majority black areas bears a direct correlation to the vestiges of slavery and segregation. It argues the local council has intentionally chosen to locate over a dozen enormous industrial facilities in the the majority black, fourth and fifth districts of the parish, while explicitly sparing white residents from the risk of environmental harm. It is time to end this discriminatory, this discriminatory, should I say, and harmful land use system in St. James Parish that has roots in slavery and its aftermath and is now the cause of public health emergencies, says Myrtle Felton, a St. James Parish resident and a member of Inclusive Louisiana, one of the lawsuit's plaintiffs. Now, I've talked a little bit about uh, cancer and how it's affected my family. Uncle David just died, he died of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, now nah, he led a hard life. So, uh, I'm not, uh, uh, pointing out anyone, or, or, you know, sort of accusing anyone of that. Um, but I knew kids that died of cancer, 14, 15, 16 years old. Like throat cancer, weird cancers, mm. different types of things. Um, you come into Baton Rouge and the northern part of the city, uh, people talk about South Baton Rouge, which is where I'm from, um, because it's notorious, you know, right around the area, McKinley, the South, the bottom. That's where you hear a lot of these, your rappers are coming from. That's where your Fredos are from, Fredos from the top. And young boys from, and Boosie's from the bottom, all of these places right here. But the Northern part of Baton Rouge is forgotten. It's forgotten. There wasn't a grocery store in North Baton Rouge until the people at Rouse's, which is a, a, a supermarket chain. One of the owners of that supermarket chain was at the January 6th march. And shout out to Walter Gino McLaughlin and other activists in Baton Rouge when these people were being held to account for having gone to the Trump march um, or the Trump rally or the the insurrection, shall I say. (laughs) It's an insurrection. The violent riot insurrection that happened there. Uh, They were trying to figure out what they were going to do. And what people asked was put a grocery store in North Baton Rouge. And they did it. Now, they put it right on the line of North Baton Rouge, but they put a grocery store in North Baton Rouge. One of the reasons why that area up there is so poor um, is because uh, there are just a lot of plants off the river, and those are in the northern part of the city. This is the parish? Okay. That's St. James Parish. It's okay. East Baton Rouge Parish. Okay. These problems, though, extend up and down in Gardeer, where I lived, a lot of black people there. That area is never going to gentrify because it's a sewage treatment plant. Mm. Like you would wake up sometimes and it would just smell like shit. Mm. 
It's like, just, would just smell like shit. And none of those places exist. None of those places are put where a lot of white people live. It's where we would have to go. Yeah. It's part of the food desert, part of the, the, uh, the, the inability to access medical care. It's part of all of the vestiges of slavery that still exist down here in my beautiful home state. And people are suffering. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's a real thing. Uh, and their actual lives. People coughing. And remember, they don't have any money. So when they get cancer, they have to rely on the city or the state to help take care of them. And those hospitals are overrun and those facilities are bad. So I want to shout out somebody who's doing this work. Number one, I want to make sure that I shout out uh, Inclusive Louisiana, who's one of the lawsuits plaintiffs. Uh, I would love to have somebody uh, representing St. James Parish, which is uh, not East Baton Rouge Parish, but right in the throes of Cancer Alley. Um, I would suggest that everybody like uh, research and understand what Cancer Alley is and the people that are suffering down there and giving their lives to industry. Um, but there is a woman named Dr. Beverly Wright. And she is uh, over the Deep South Center for Environmental Justice. Okay, this was founded by her in 1992 in collaboration with some community environmental groups. She is down at Dillard University, um, and she is a warrior. She is an environmental justice scholar and somebody who has been trying to uh, solve this problem for a while. Now, I got to be honest with you, she did go to Grambling. And so the fact that she went to Grambling means that she's probably not to be trusted all the way. Okay, so you can't really trust somebody from Grambling. They're up there in North Baton Rouge in the Piney Woods. You probably can't trust somebody from Grambling as much. All right. This is where my people are from. By oh, I'm just saying, so you, can't, you can't trust folks, anybody <laughs> from Grambling, all right? Uh, but people like her that are addressing these problems, they need visibility, they need our help, um, and they need our aid. If you're going to be an ally to somebody, be an ally to me, be an ally to Beverly Wright, be an ally to Black Millennials for Flint, be, a, be an ally to all the organizations around the country that are doing their best to come to combat environmental racism. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say is, I mean, this is close to home for you. So you're aware of this, plus what you know from, you know, Baton Rouge. But how many other places in this country are going through the same thing and either don't have people fighting for them or even or aren't even aware that they're being impacted in this way? Environmental racism. Good grief. The indigenous environment. The indigenous environment network is one. 350.org is one. Black Millennials from Flint. California Community Foundation's Wildlife Wildfire Relief Fund. Huge. The Center on Race, Poverty, and the Environment, founded in 1989. It's a great one. I remember those people from uh, uh, CBC and DC a couple of years ago. Uh, Labor's Network for Sustainability. It goes on and 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 on. It's just bad. It's not just the the police. It's the food you eat, the air you breathe. Um, it's tough. Uh, on the other side of this, you guys who are in corporate America are about to learn something. We have uh, the Trill NBA show host 
Felicia Anuha uh, is about to join us and get us right. We're talking about all kinds of things. You have to talk about in corporate America, code mm-hmm. switching. We're talking about Rachel's job and how she is fake with the people and, and, and all of that stuff on the other side of this break. We have a very special guest on higher learning right now. Okay. Let me tell you guys, every day, this tiny white woman <laughs> beats me down. Mm-hmm. Beats me down. Just you, you hold your elbows back. Uh, dig into your heels. Uh, uh, use your core. Okay, three, two, one. Like, just let me do the exercises, Joel. Um, Joel is my trainer, and through Joel, I was able to meet an amazing black lady. Her name is Felicia Anua, and she has a podcast that I think it is very imperative that you guys know about. Now, you are a comedian, a speaker, and a podcaster. Yes. Uh, welcome to Higher Learning. Thank Holy you. Sure. I'm so happy to be here. We met through Joel, yes, our mutual you, trainer. The devil. I mean, the, the nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and you told me about your podcast, and I thought it was amazing. It is the Trill NBA show. And tell us what the podcast is about. So I'm the Trillist NBA you'll ever know. Okay. And I help Black women survive and thrive in corporate America. And even though I get nice emails from all kinds of people saying, hey, you helped me with the show. By the way, I'm a white man. That's great. (laughs) We talk about how to get paid and promoted. And the thing is, I grew up with a mom and a grandma. And my grandma, she dropped out of high school at at ninth grade because she got pregnant. (laughs) And then my mom only went to high school. Right. And so I'm there, dreams and hopes, you know, and, um, you know, you call home and you're like, mom, I'm having this problem with this dude at work and blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay, let's pray about it, baby. Mm. Prayers don't help you. They help your spirit, but they don't help that specific situation at work. Mm -hmm. They don't help you deal with the mediocre mic, the stealing your work or, you know, how to say, hey, I have too much on my plate. And then when you leave, they hire five people in your place, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And so as I was matriculating through my career post MBA, I was like, okay, I don't want anybody to go through what I'm going through. And that's why I started the show. And Mm -hmm. and what was like that moment, that moment in corporate America? Because now I, I, I mean, like we work for corporations, but I'm not in corporate America anymore. But you're making me think back Mm -hmm. to moments of my own experience. So what was that moment for you where you were like, you know what? I got to make sure that I'm helping out other people who might be going through a similar situation. And then how did you get it all started? So um, at the time, so by training, I'm a classically trained marketer. I grew up in CPG um, and there were... A number of times, but specifically when I first graduated from business school, I was told, oh, no, we want you to come here. It was a company in Minnesota. So Minnesota is like white. (laughs) It just is. It's, you know, they call Minneapolis white Atlanta. So what? what? Is that fact? That's that's what we say on the street. White Atlanta. Yeah. Like if if, if white people had an Atlanta, like how Atlanta is for black people. Minneapolis is their Atlanta. Really? Oh, yeah, it's their playground. When I Great. was in Wisconsin, they had a much different term for Minneapolis. <laughs> I don't it? know if I can say. What was it? They would say that it was home of the half-breeds. Oh, yeah. Jesus Absolutely. Christ. See? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Not my right. words. That is what people Absolutely. in Wisconsin God used to say. Damn. And I was like, huh, that's yeah. interesting. It's hard because there's so many, because it's a lot of Yes. 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 Okay. Because companies will recruit us there. Uh-huh. And then a lot of the black men, you know, the, the the white women have no qualms sharing their appreciation for the black men. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. If you like the snow bunnies, the, there's the land for you. Wow. Like I remember Omega had their conclave there one year when I was working there. What happened to my brothers? They got, <laughs> they got costed. They weren't ready. Yeah. And to say an Omega is not ready is saying a lot. They yeah. were not ready. They night. had, them women had gold and purple fingernails. They had no, dyed they their hair gold. They, they had, had gold. gold. They had done their research. The white girls had gold and purple yes. fingernails for the Omegas? Yes. Trapping the brothers that can't resist it. Yes. And they're not be able to, I've never seen the white girls go that far. That's not even fair. You can't even blame the brothers Minnesota, Becky is built different. Okay. I didn't realize that Minnesota, you know, they're a different place where the dark sharks congregate. But I never heard Minneapolis, y'all, you about to send the tourism of Minneapolis way through the roof. Hey. But you think about Minneapolis, you think Prince, mm-hmm. you think Lizzo, but you never think white. Well, Lizzo's from Houston. Let's be, let's be clear. I thought Lizzo was from Minneapolis. She went no, there. she started in Houston. But she's from Houston. What do you, when you say from, what do you mean? Like, does she, she reps Houston? She claims Houston. She okay. reps Houston. Okay. She saw Beyonce perform at the rodeo, changed her life. Like, right. we claim her. That's right. She skipped school to see mm-hmm. Destiny's Child. Yeah. Yeah. We claim Lizzo. Okay, cool. Uh, but you were saying. Yeah. So when I was in Minnesota, I was working for this company and I, I was recruited out of business school with them and they had made all these promises because that's what they do. They want to down you. And then when you get there, you know, I'm being told things like, you know, this used to be a good old boys club, but now you're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I try to speak up, I was told, you know, you really just need to shut up and listen. Wow. But I was like, you paid me to think. Like, you're paying me all this money for me to just be your token. Got it. And so just those type of experiences and not knowing how to handle it, being overly emotional about it. You know, not focused on my money, trying to change them when in actuality I needed to focus on how to survive in those situations because you're not going to change them. Yeah. Not that, not the way you would think. If you, if there was a toolkit that you could make, um, an intellectual toolkit for black women in corporate America, what would that toolkit consist of? Three things. Okay. Number one, how to build relationships as a black woman in corporate. Mm -hmm. Number two, how to understand and really deeply understand your company's culture. Mm -hmm. And then number three, how to, how to keep your emotions in check. And that's the hardest one because Mm -hmm. they say, you know, business is impersonal, Mm -hmm. but this is how I pay my rent and eat. And that's personal to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's understanding how to stay even kill and how to stay focused on the chessboard. Mm-hmm. And so those are the three things I would build with the kit. But like most black women, we're taught just outwork them. I don't know how many times you heard that. We're just going to work hard. We're going to outwork them. In the 80s, that yeah. worked because you had one black person that was a firm action program. There was numbers. There was quotas. There was all that. So as long as you outworked everybody, you'd be in the top spot. 
it doesn't work that way anymore. There's no more mm-hmm. real affirmative action. So now it really is like the relationships that you build. And it's hard for us to build those relationships because half the time they don't want to build a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And then half the time you don't want to feel like the token. And the other half time, I don't want to hear about the bachelor at, at work. Like, I don't want to talk about that, but that's what you want to talk. Like, I'll never forget when Trayvon Martin died. Mm-hmm. I came to work the next day. We're mourning the few little black folks of us. Mm-hmm. And these others came in there in the room and they're like, white. okay, the white girls came in the room and they're mm-hmm. like, ah, did you see the bachelor? Oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. I have no idea what they're talking about because I'm mourning. Right. But they have no clue and they don't care. Mm-hmm. And so how do you build a relationship with that? That's what I was going to ask you. I, when my last law firm that I worked at, I was the only black person there. Mm-hmm. And it is important. I agree. Cracker and crack. It is important. <laughs> I agree to have relationships with people you work with. And so if you're someone who's new that's starting there and you're the only one that looks like you and you're trying to find your voice and you're trying to find your footing, how do you go about finding that person? If nobody looks like you, there's nobody that you can relate to. How do you trust that you can have, you know, allyship or a a Mm -hmm. corporate relationship with someone else. It all comes down to human behavior. And that's what I want people to understand. The beauty of being humans is you can be as racist as you want to be, but you're, you're a human being. You have preferences, you have biases, whatever. There are people that if you talk with them in a certain way, if you know how to communicate for impact, they will look at you differently. They will then start to say, you know what, Rachel, you're just different. I really like you. Mm. And it's a likability game. And so when you're the only one, you got to look around. First of all, who hired you? Why'd they pick you? Stay close to that person. Big mistake people make when they're the only one in the organization. The people that hired them, they separate from them. They get lost in the company. They're trying to figure it out. Well, that person who hired you, they want to advocate for you. They want you to do well. They have some skin in the game already because they told the organization, I vouch for you. So Mm -hmm. stick close to that person first. And you ask that person, who do I need to start building connections and relationships with? Mm-hmm. And then you do the warm and you say, hey, can you introduce me to that person? Mm-hmm. Can you introduce me to that partner? And then you have to you have to just drink the Kool-Aid. You know, you're not really drinking the Kool-Aid, but you got to have the rah, rah. I mean, I listened to your book over the weekend. Like you played the game with that same thing. You just play the little game. You go along with it. And then you have your people outside of work that you decompress with. You complain to never complain at work. Never complain about anything. Never go to HR. That is very difficult. You can't trust HR. No, no. You want to make HR your friend and get information from HR. Like I always tell people, you can talk to HR, but the conversation should go like this. Hey, Rachel and HR, how are you doing today? You doing good? Okay. Hey, I just wanted to ask a quick question about policy. Like nothing's wrong. I'm having a great time. I love it here. I just want to understand to make sure I'm doing things right. You ask them about policy. You ask them about how does stuff work on mm-hmm. paper. Mm-hmm. That's it. Make friends with them. Get tea from them. Pretend give them tea. If it's safe, you know, that's that's where you got to be. You got to be at a higher level of messy to really do that one. But mm-hmm. like I, can, I coach people through that. Right. But this is the game. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one of your pawns. HR is your pawn mm-hmm. in this game. Use it accordingly. 
Do you think that that advice of not going to HR is increasingly, uh, increasingly harder mm-hmm. for particularly some younger people to grasp or, or, or to invest into? Because sometimes, and I don't want to generalize here, but sometimes it seems like there is an entire movement or entire culture of people wanting accountability. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that accountability comes from, hey, I don't feel like I'm protected or valued in this particular way in my workplace. Right. And the people that I have to talk to about that are HR, sometimes it's Twitter, sometimes it's whatever. And it doesn't seem like telling them not to go to HR would, would really resonate with them. No, because the problem is they haven't built the right relationships. So let's say I was being sexually harassed by a senior leader at work. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to my relationship that's another senior leader that I trust, but I've had to build that relationship to say, hey, Bob is sexually harassing me. Like he said this, he said that. I have this documentation. I'm not trying to cause no trouble. This is if you want to stay in the organization. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to cause any trouble, mm-hmm. but like, can you help me navigate this? Because he has to stop his behavior. And then internally, they will regulate themselves. But the moment you go to HR, now they got to do all this paper stuff. And nine times out of 10, they're going to protect the leader because the leader is closer tied to the company and they have a responsibility to protect the company. That's why going to HR doesn't work. You only go to HR once you've lawyered up. If you Mm. have a real problem, Mm. you need to get an attorney first. Mm. Because HR works for the company. HR works for the company. They do not work for you. And I know a lot of companies are like, we're a family. And the HR people be like, I'm here to help. And I got into HR so I could help. Baby, your hands are tied. The way the game is played, the way the system works. You can Mm -hmm. want to do all the best you want to do. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for the company. That's your job. Yeah. That's what you get paid to do. You do career coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, What does that Intel is that just career coaching of within corporate America? Maybe people want to start their own business. Maybe people are at a crossroads of what, where to go and what to do. And why is it important to have career coaching? So career coaching helps you gain clarity. And I only focus on people. I have a niche. I help you get promoted. So like my, one of my most recent clients that did very well, she works for Amazon. Amazon is a very tough company to get promoted in if you don't understand their system. So basically, I held her hand through the process. And then I believe, and we're going to be talking next week, but I believe she got herself another promotion after she worked with me because now she knows the system. Now she knows how to navigate and move, who to talk to and what. But like at Amazon, you need six people to write, to actually write a write-up for you in that calibration So it's different. And every company's calibrations and how they decide who to promote is different. But at the end of the day, you have to have the relationship with the decision makers to get promoted. Mm. And that's hard to do. So I help people build relationships, build relationships with their managers. I also help them troubleshoot. Like if they feel they're in trouble before they get on a PIP, I help them figure out what they need to do different, how they need to show up at work differently in order to be successful in their role. Let's talk about code switching. Mm Mm-hmm. The switching of the code. code. Yes, got to do it. All right. You have to code switch. It, well, it's according, on, it's according on the company. So at a law firm, yes. In a law firm, you at have to code firm, switch. At a law firm, you have to code switch. Law firms are very conservative. I would say law firms, banks, finance, like 
they want you to fall in line. If you're too razzle-dazzle, too out there, too much form, it's not going to work. So let's talk about the the line there, mm-hmm. right? So certain people look at the code switch as a necessary part mm-hmm. of upward mobility in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Other people look at the code switch as selling out Richard Pryor. Oh, yes, I, I hate it. And all of your uncles and aunts and everybody mm-hmm. so that you can get ahead, you go along to get along, motherfucker. Yes. That's what they say about it. Your thoughts? <laughs> Two things. One, it's both of those things. Oh! Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's both of those things. But here's the deal. Are your aunties and uncles paying your rent? Again, that's where you got to you gotta check your emotions because that's an emotional response. That's your ego telling you, oh my God, you selling out, you black, you supposed to show up, how you supposed to show up? Yeah, but me talking in black English vernacular to Bob, he's going to be like, oh, you're so unprofessional because that's what's in his head. That's a stereotype. So again, it's about communicating for impact. Mm-hmm. And so if I have to code switch to be more impactful, to get what I want, then I'm going to do that because I'm here for the money. Mm. Have you ever code switched? No. But here's the thing, though. Let me tell you why I don't, I don't, I don't code switch. Is because my code is acceptable everywhere. And that's not true of everyone. Mm-hmm. Meaning that my language is a tool. Mm-hmm. And so being that language is a tool, there's no right or wrong way to speak. It depends upon where you are. Right. right. So if you're if you come down to where I'm from in Baton Rouge and you've never been there before, when you speak to them, they're going to know something's off with you. The tool that you're bringing, the language that you're talking to them, the dialect that you're speaking, whatever, mm-hmm. it's not registering. Right. And they might speak back to you and use words and phrases that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Language is a tool. Like mm-hmm. then people say, oh. You talk this, you talk that. No, it's a tool. Like all of that stuff, like use this. So wherever you're, wherever you go, you need to use the tool that you have in the correct way. Exactly. For me, I'm understood when I'm in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. I'm understood when I'm here. You, not everybody has yeah. to code switch. Right. Not everybody has sort of, um, not everybody does. You right. know what I mean? So I don't, I don't, I talk my shit. I don't just mean talking. I guess I mean, like, we we joked here, we even said it in a while, but, like, there were three Rachels, right? There was Rachel on Higher Learning, mm-hmm. there's Rachel on Extra, mm-hmm. and there's Rachel from The Bachelor. Yeah. There's an element of codes, and the reason there's three of them is because it's not, I'm not talking any different, mm-hmm. but there might be, I might hold back. Yeah. Isn't that a form of code switching yes. as well? But again, I might not fully be my full self because mm-hmm. it's not, I got to play a certain game at times. So two things. I want to share a tidbit that shout out to my old boss, Brianna, told me. Um, Because I struggle with code switching all the time from Victoria, Mm -hmm. Texas. I'm a nigga to my heart. Like, I just Mm -hmm. make this money because I got this MBA, right? Like, she told me, she said, but nobody deserves the full version of you. Nobody deserves, like, how I show up for my husband as a wife is different from how I show up for my kids as a mother is different how I show up for my teammates as the VP of marketing, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's about communicating for impact. 
And I hate this idea that it feels like we're giving up something when we code switch. But what we're actually doing is trying to communicate in the most effective way to get our point across and get what we need. I also say this, that this conversation is a lot different for you guys than it is for me. Yeah. They ask Black men Mm -hmm. to code switch less than they do Black ladies. It's just a fact. The fact of the matter is, you come in here, you sound like DMX or whatever. And, ah, look, I love Earl. Mm-hmm. You know Earl from down, from down in accounting? I love talking to Earl. He sounds so gruff. It's so authentic. Mm-hmm. And it, there, there's, if you're in this situation, sometimes not, this is not, obviously I'm being facetious, but it's different. With ladies, they, they hold black women specifically to a different standard. And we're going to talk about it on the podcast. It's true. true. And that's why when I coach my clients, I tell them things like, hey, let's talk about how you show up. So there's a model for success in corporate. It's called the Pi Model. Um, Harvey C. Coleman, there's a book called Empowering Yourself. And this Pi Model, it's performance, um, image, and exposure. Mm -hmm. And so that's those are the three components you need for success in the workplace. Performance is 10% of the equation. That's brass tacks. Image is how you show up. So I work with people on how they show up. So if you're a black woman, I say, bring your happiest, most positive self. So when I'm at work and I'm talking, I'm like, hey guys, how's it going? Is it going good today? Okay, great. Okay, so on the agenda today, like I literally do that at work. Isn't that exhausting? It is. It very much is. But it's how I play my game. Mm. And Recently, my whole team was let go, except for me. Mm. Why is that? Because I know how to play the game. Mm. What's the end goal? So this is my thing. I realized that there's game playing. We talked to Stephen A. Smith. Mm -hmm. Stephen A. Smith came here. Stephen A. Smith was talking about playing the game and stuff like that. I'll be honest with you. I don't like the game. I don't either. Hate the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's yeah. right. Even me. Uh, so <laughs> sometimes what I do is I just just take the ball and kick it over the fence. Mm-hmm. Fuck you guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, sometimes it's not, it, it, I am emotional mm-hmm. and I have a condition. So there's a breaking point to where I just go, fuck all of y'all fire. Mm-hmm. And normally, the thing is, normally when I do that, they go, wow, look at so compelling. He, <laughs> he gets in there and he says what he means and it just goes goes further and further and further. I know that that's different for everyone. My question to you is, when you get to that senior leadership position mm-hmm. or when you get to become a CEO mm-hmm. or whatever, or whenever this person that's playing the game does it, do we then get to change the rules of the game? Is this game in perpetuity that we will always be doing this or is there a light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. to where this changes? So that's my hope, right? That's mm-hmm. why I do this work because when we, and studies have shown this, when we have more people of color, we have black women, black men in those seats where they are the hiring managers, they are the t- decision makers, their teams are just more diverse. They will hire more black people, more Hispanic people, more Asian people than a white manager would. Mm -hmm. And that's why we have to keep striving, even though there's so many horror stories, but like 
one thing that corporations love to do, because they are fuckboys, they will put a job wreck out and say, oh, well, you just need three years of experience. But then they'll interview the black person that has eight years of experience and should be like two levels higher than this job wreck. Mm-hmm. They do that all the time. And one of the things I'm trying to do is help people realize like, no, go for the director role. Go for the VP role. Like you have all these years of experience. You don't have to have everything on that job wreck in order to get the job. You just have to have a compelling story. When you talk about diversity, and this is my last question for you, um, are you afraid at what's happening in the government? We're seeing the government in certain states take away DEI programs. Um, and of course, that's just state run things. But are you afraid that private corporations will look at that and say, well, hey, we don't need that either. And then we start to go backwards. We're already going backwards. Um, so George Floyd happened. God rest that man's soul. And all these companies made their pledges. They made right. promises to do better and act right. Um, and here we are three years later and oh, it's a recession. What's the first things they cut? Um, all their DNI. First thing they all cut. Oh, we got to pull back and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out and blah, blah, blah. So it was all performative in the first place. Um, the solution though for us surviving in these spaces, especially people who don't want to be entrepreneurs. So black women are by far starting businesses at the highest rates ever, yeah. which is mm-hmm. totally understandable because these spaces are traumatic. Um, but there are some of us that don't want to be entrepreneurs. What are we supposed to do? We still need to make money. We still need to provide for our families. We, we, we're highest educated. We got these student loans now. Yeah. So pay me. And so you got to work. And the thing is, it's all about human behavior. It's about getting around the microcosm that you're in, Mm -hmm. not necessarily the macro forces outside of you, because I can't help what the government does right now. I mean, I vote. Like, that's one of my criteria for friendship. Like, if you don't vote, we can't be friends. But like, I vote and I do my civic duty. But at the end of the day, if Ron DeSantis wants to act a fool in Florida, my clients that are in Florida, like, that doesn't affect the white man that's trying to fire them for no good reason, except for they complained about something. Um, You have recently relocated mm-hmm. from the southern part of the United States. And I'm talking where you're from, Texas. <laughs> Um, proud Texan. Proud Texan. Yes, right. Hook them. That's right. Hook them. Yes. Don't hate. He hates. He hates. Nothing. What do you mean we have? We went to the best university. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the University of Texas. We're talking about the. Talk about LSU just won the oh national Oh my gosh, I knew you nothing. were going to do this. We, we just went to the Elite nothing. A. Where was LSU's men's basketball team? Nowhere yeah, to be found. Nowhere well, there. Don't, well, and don't well, hang so your hands you, on so the you, woman. So what you're saying is real quick. What you're saying is... <laughs> don't do this. No, I am not putting men... I'm just saying we have representation out there in sports. of getting close. And we have representation of winning. Anyway. Um, I don't so want to be here today. <laughs> I don't want to be here today because I got to do this all day. Right. I know you're going to hear I'm this. I'm just um, saying, we haven't gone that far since the TJ Ford years. Yeah. Um. So, you mm-hmm. recently relocated mm-hmm. out here to Los Angeles. Yes. Um. What has your transition to LA been like and how do you find LA as a black lady living here? 
I want my money back. Um, oh. <laughs> because uh, Tony, Tony, Tony said it never rains in Southern California. So I was real happy until every fucking day I've been here and I travel a lot. So every time I leave, it's raining. Every time I come back from the airport, I live by the airport. It's raining. It's just always fucking raining. It's <laughs> going to get better. Like, yeah, what is like, We're turning a corner. Yeah. And then the 405. Why? I, the first time I drove on the 405, I thought I got a flat. I pulled over. It was dangerous. I thought I was going to get hit. And like, I was looking for a flat. No, the shit's just bumpy. The shit's just like. Doo -doo 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 -doo. Mm. Wow. Welcome. Why? Yeah. So you're, you're not digging LA right now. Um, if I can get the sunshine I was promised for the rent that I'm paying, I know. then I would feel better. But to have rain, like I live in Seattle for what I'm paying, I'm not, the ratio's off. Brighter days ahead for sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, look, it, look, here's the thing. Uh, it, it, it's been bad. It's been bad even to the point where I'm like, all right, you know, I'm from Louisiana. I like a little rain every now and again. Right, right, but, like, but not this. This is like this rain too much. Yeah. All right. So the, uh, Trill NBA podcast. Mm -hmm. um, Trill NBA show. Uh, yes. Where can they find it? Where can they listen? How can um, so you can go to the website, trillnba.com. Uh, all of the episodes are there. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, where everywhere. You can even tell Alexa, Alexa, play the Trill NBA show. It'll play it, <laughs> mm. which I love to do that at my cousin's house. It's great. And then that's playing all through her speakers. Um, oh. <laughs> I, um, I want to do something special for your listeners. Yeah. So for the month of April, if you email me at ask at trillmba.com and you say, Hey, I heard you on the higher learning. I need help with my career. I will give you a free 30 minute coaching oh. session. Mm -hmm. And all you do is email me and we'll give you, we'll send you a code. My team will send you a code to sign up for your session. That's amazing. Free coaching. Yes. Listen. Felicia said y'all need to stop complaining. Yes. <laughs> y'all running run your mouths too much. Well, don't complain at work. Like, that's why you have your girlfriends, your 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 boys. Like, you know, yeah. you go to the bar away from where your coworkers go. Like, when you're in work, happy mode. Code switch. Happy. Show your teeth. I will never tell a woman to smile, but I tell them to show their teeth. Show your teeth. Rachel, tough for Rachel me. doesn't like it. Rachel's it's it's tough for me. I need to hear some of this. You, you gotta, gotta stay focused. You're right. You're right. You yeah. gotta stay focused. I'm gonna be emailing. And don't stay. Give me my code. Like they'll lie to you. So don't don't stay. Like if you don't get promoted the first time they promote you, just like fuck boys. If they tell you, nah, baby, nah, like it's gonna be me and you. We gonna we gonna make it work. But then that ring don't show up. Leave. I did. I remember back, <laughs> back at TMZ, I had like little mini protests. It was like they would, because people are so easy. And shout out to all my uh, coworkers at TMZ. It would be like on Thursday, mm -hmm. it, that was treat day at TMZ. So they would bring in a different treat every day. So on Thursday, people would be like, oh, it's cupcakes today. You ever buy a cupcake? Oh, it's Mai Tais. Everybody drink a Mai Tai. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody do that. And I was like, I'm not drinking that shit. I'm not eating that <laughs> shit. I'm not doing it anyway. The reason why was because that's not what you want. You don't it's want cupcakes. It's not what you want. What you want is your vacation days approved. Yeah. What you want is people all the time, I'm like, they pacifying y'all with the cupcakes. Slap the cupcake. Do you don't need it. it. Don't do like, it. Don't. Felicia, take the cupcake, <laughs> throw it 
throw that shit. Hey, man. And everybody would look at me, hey, man, you want a cupcake? No. Normal Ray. I don't want a cupcake at all. And what I want is when I, when it's time for me to uh, get my vacation, I want you to improve the days. I want better shit overall. Not to try to get you but this is what you should do let's say you have a vacation you don't actually need your vacation approved you just go like actually speak louder like there's no need for me to complain about you having approved my vacation just go and then you email you email document hey boss person i'm going to go on vacation these days thanks and then you go and then let them push back on you and then when they push back on you then you escalate it from there but like most times people don't like confrontation. So if you just say this is what I'm doing, most people be like, oh, okay. And even if they don't like it, you do what you do. They're not going to fire you for that. Shit, nigga. They stay. I ended up getting a situation. <laughs> I ended up becoming such a big deal on the show to where they wouldn't do it. But other people, they were slamming people left and right. Hey, I want to go to France. Sweeps. Oh, no one can leave. Sweeps. Oh, so like, like, still my like, life. Sweeps. No one can leave. <laughs> Stay. And it would be like, I'd be like, yo, man, how many times is it sweeps? Like, it sweeps like, what, four times it's a year? It's four times it's a like, year. It's like, how many times is it sweeps? It sweeps. And then it would be, it got so crazy, Felicia, it would be like pre-sweeps. It's like, <laughs> we, like, okay, it's not sweeps, but we need you because we need to have good momentum going into sweeps <laughs> on the television show. Fuck it. All right, Felicia. Yes. Uh, TrillNBA.com. Yes. This has been so enlightening for me. It's great. And I hope to have you back. Yes. I hope to have you back and for you to, as we get uh, business or corporate or workplace Christians, topics. I'm here to help. To help to have you back. Yeah, I'm definitely here to help. Me and Felicia are going to be Yeah, and hopefully we'll be finer. I mean, he's probably going to beat me because he really doing all the no, things. I, do that too, so I, I complain to Joelle. Like, Joelle, I just be looking at her like, why well, I got to do this? I don't want to. Come on, boss lambs. I fuck that ball. I, <laughs> but you do it, right? I do. I do. And I go, there you go. I go to the gym five days a week now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. It's great. We're, we're there, but, but, but think about it. You, we, we, but we're there. We're yeah. part of the Equinox gym culture. Yeah. All the different all trainers. All them happy skinny Which bastards. Which Equinox do y'all go to? Uh, it's uh, Sepulveda. Like Equinox. Oh, that's too far from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That was Felicia. Thank you, guys. Trill NBA show.com is the podcast. Go listen to her support and get your 30 minutes free coach. Yeah. Thanks for joining us on Highland. All right, yes. Rachel, that's enough. That's enough podcast. Um, you gonna go home and check on Brian? Take care of Brian. Brian's at work today. Brian's feeling much he better. Went to work. I nursed him back to health. You nurse Brian back to health. You love him. I do. Despite what people think. Despite People were mad at me when I said, Brian lets me do it. <laughs> They were. Well, I will say this. <laughs> I know for a fact that, you know, the trainers on the track with you and Brian, that answer was wild. Which one? Oh. Donnie. Donnie. <laughs> Donnie, that was wild. And then I go, which one? But but wild we got to the root of it. We, we got yeah. to the root of it. Donnie got to the root of it, yes. That was, that was wild, right? It was, but she, she fleshed it out, so it made <laughs> sense. It was. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> but she fleshed it out. All right, take the thing caps off. Do not stop learning. I'm Van Lake from June. I'm Rachel Lindsay. Bye.